the story of my life. No respect. Doesn't get no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. Doesn't get no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal is a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Believe Blue Show. Yes, we are the Ring Podcast. Uh, game seven, the Blue Shirts lose and eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs versus the New Jersey Devils. Uh, shut out uh, pretty much the majority of the game on the way to a loss as we uh, start the uh, episode a little bit early. But uh, listen, they had nothing for the Devils in Game Seven. Nothing for the game for the Devils in Game Seven, and it was quite disappointing to watch. Because after a, a brilliant Game 6 to force the Game 7, uh, winning at home on Saturday, uh, the Rangers, they never had it versus the Devils with puck possession tonight. The Devils were flying everywhere on the ice. It didn't matter. Even strength, penalty kill. The Devils made the Rangers look like a junior hockey league team tonight because of their speed. And this was the thing we worried about in trying to improve our playoff positioning by trying to win more games, get more points, to try to climb out of that three seed. But when we, when we knew we could have catch Carolina, uh, it was a matter of getting home ice versus the Devils, which I don't think it was going to matter anyway. I mean, this is the reason why I think a lot of us rather had played the Carolina Hurricanes because they were more of the familiar opponent uh, the the Devils are just a faster skating team and they're a, a, a well disciplined team with the forecheck and their defense was phenomenal tonight. They see I don't get into this shit with about this you know whether guys have experience, non experience, or home ice or non home ice. It's, it's, it's whether you execute or you don't execute, and all that other shit is old adage, is old archaic verbiage that we've heard all in the nineties and the eighties of how about home court, home ice, home crowd. None of these 21st century athletes are phased by this shit. It's really about execution at the end of the day. And, and quite frankly, the devil's executed 15 times better than the Rangers tonight. And it was so terrible. Adam Fox in the first period with the turn or the careless turnovers in the devil zone, on the power play or the mix-up at the blue line, which turned into a shorthanded goal. I mean, the Devils, they, they did whatever they wanted. And the forecheck was effective. Galant's changing lines, readjusting the kid line, throwing a lot in the air with, with, with Benajad and then throwing them back with the kid line. I mean, he tried to make the adjustments, but it, what it came down to, the Devils are just the better team this playoff series. And, and, and it was weird because we talk about – People talk about home ice and winning games, and uh, you know you saw two road wins in the first two games. The next two games were run by the road teams. So the first four games were run by by road teams, and then the next three were by the home teams. Um, very disappointed. This season, this season is a fail. There's no way around that. I don't know how you can justify this being a successful season, even getting 100 plus points where. Uh, we knew that the Stanley, there's going to be a very good team leaving 
uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, you know, talking to the Boston Bruins when I say that, you know, I mean they're probably going to be the headline of the the playoffs because of why you know them losing and what they did in the regular season. But the Rangers are next after that because the Tarasenko trade, the Patrick Kane trade. These, this team was this was the Stanley Cups Stanley Cup Finals or bust uh, team or roster put together to uh, this year for the run. And you, you don't even get out of the first round, and you don't get out of the first round versus your Hudson River uh, rival. This is a fucking fail, man. What I right, Carl? I, 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 am I wrong to say that this season is a fail? Am I off saying that, Carl? What's up, man? How you doing? Good evening, Steve. Uh, a very very difficult night, um, and we'll have plenty to analyze. Um, see, it was. Hmm. I guess it's a fail, man. The expectation, I guess considering the expectations of last year, it was a disappointment. Uh, I'm, I, I always try to – that's a word I try to avoid using, failure, um, because the opponent that they were playing was either, just before the series ever started, either just as good or maybe slightly better. But it wasn't as if they lost to a team that was beneath them. So that's the issue. These two teams were, I mean, as, well, I mean, the Devils were a better team as it played out, but, you know, these are essentially two pretty evenly matched teams. And so it was going to be a tough road. And for them, at, in, in their construction, where they think they should be with the changes that were made to and getting the goaltending that you got all series long to not be able to carry that through is just a, a supreme disappointment, but not completely unexpected given the opponent they played. Right, and um, I've seen a lot of Ranger fans give Lindy Ruff a lot of help from leaving the post, his assistant coach post for the head coaching gig, and he gets a playoff win over Gallant. Scott's with us. Glenn's with us. Scott, what's going on? Just say, Scott, say hello real quick. I'll go right back to you because I want to get Glenn on. How you doing, Scott, man? I know yeah, you can't. All right, well. I know you feel bad. <laughs> Not doing yeah. well. So that's <laughs> – hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw evening, something Scott. that you have put – I saw you something you have put up, and I'm going to ask you that when we go right back to you. But, Glenn, say hello real quick. We'll go right back to you after Scott speaks. But how you doing, Glenn? Good evening, Glenn. How am I doing, Steve? <laughs> I don't know whether to be disappointed, mad, sad. I guess it's uh, a little bit of all of those things, but uh, we'll get a chance to talk about that as we go on. All right, cool. I'll, I'll go back to Scott. Now, Scott, I saw. I think I saw something. You said this is the worst game we've ever seen the Rangers play in the Game 7. If you want to expound well, on that. But the Rangers were pure dominated tonight. There's no way around it. Uh, I, I'm just utterly disgusted. I thought they could have just put up a better effort, and that's probably why I say failure, because that was terrible. Game plan and game execution, they can never adjust to the forecheck. They can never adjust to the speed. And when you're – so many power plays. Tyler Mott uh, drew – he had, you know, two uh, power play opportunities. Uh, Everything was a shorthanded goal opportunity. It seems like the Devils. It seemed like the Devils were playing with an extra man on ice, but it's just because they're that fast. They were everywhere tonight. But you go ahead, Scott, and then we go to Glenn and we'll go back to Garza. 
Yeah, I, I wasn't even really talking about the game specifically. Uh, I was talking about the series as a whole. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is probably the darkest moment I've ever seen as a Ranger fan since I started watching in the 80s. Uh, just the way this series went, um, I forgot who let off and saying, like, there's really no shame in losing to the Devils because of, you know, they're evenly matched. And, yeah, that is true. Uh, there's no shame in losing. But the way they lost, unacceptable. You know, yeah, we knew that games one and two, that the series was not going to go that entire way, but they took the first two games on the road. There's no excuse, none, for losing a series after taking the first two games on the road. Taking the first two games at home, that's different. The other team has a chance to hold serve, and, and you know, they can come back and tie the series, no problem. But taking the first two games on the road, and especially in the way that they did, yes, we knew that the Devils were going to get their act together, and they did, but the way the Rangers just laid down and died in that series in game four, in game five, they weren't even great in game six, despite the score. They were, they were not the better team in that game, but I'll take it. And tonight to just not even show up, this was a disgrace, this game. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even, I don't know if I was more shocked, pissed off, aggravated. I mean, I could not believe what they put on the ice tonight. It was an absolute disgrace. They let Igor out to dry. Uh, I can't even pin the loss on Fox because it was just a matter of time. They they didn't score there. They were scoring two minutes later anyway. This was a, they, there was zero effort, none at all. No heart, no passion, no urgency, nothing. It was it just absolute disgraceful. So, yeah, in my mind, this is – I've been watching this team since, I think, 85. This is the absolute single darkest, most pathetic moment I've ever seen them in this, the way this series went. Okay. Uh, Glenn, what are your thoughts, man, on, on this uh, this series and this Game 7? And we'll go back to Carl after that. Well, I hadn't really had a chance to think about it, but those four straight losses to the Islanders from 80 to 83 – uh, were pretty painful as well. So uh, I guess, Scott, like you said, you started watching in 85. That was right before yeah. you. Um, <laughs> I'm off the hook. Those were pretty painful too. Um, this one here tonight, I mean, it's just hard to explain. I mean, they they looked like the inexperienced team. The, the turnovers, uh, the, the forced passes that put uh, teammates in bad positions, um, you know, this team thought they had found the formula to, uh, you know, offset the speed of the Devils. Uh, and then, you know, game six started the way it did, where the pace was just so fast. And, uh, you know, I was really kind of worried. And then toward the end of the second period, the Rangers started getting their act together and uh, played a little better and, and obviously won the game going away. And when today kind of started the same way, uh, with the Devils flying, and, uh, you know, toward the end of the first period, I thought the Rangers were a little bit better. Um, you know, I was like, all right, this is going uh, according to the script of game six. But uh, I think the thing that I that's most painful about this is that it's such a huge missed opportunity. Uh, I sat last night and watched Colorado go out and watched the Bruins go out, and I'm thinking, man, those are the, the the two biggest obstacles this team has uh, if they can win game seven. And it turns out that the Devils were the biggest obstacle. But, you know, you go out and get Tarasenko and, and Kane, which is, a, you know, a one-off kind of thing. You're not going to get a chance to do that every year. 
Um, and, and you get two of probably the two uh, biggest uh, opponents knocked off in the first round. And and what I see of this is just such a huge missed opportunity. And for them to come out the way they played to that, tonight, uh, just sloppy and just didn't have uh, that intensity, that determination, um, it, I, I just don't understand how up and down this team can be sometimes. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously the Devils won the game. They deserve to win the game. They were the better team. They were the better team for most of this series. Um, and although the Rangers, you know, had had some good opportunities tonight, uh, Schmid made some good saves, uh, they just never were able to maintain possession in the devil's zone like they had uh, in the, the couple of more dominating wins that they had. And, and the only other thing I would say is, you know, the, the turning point in the series was game three. Um, you know, that's a game that uh, goes to overtime. You, you win that game, you're up 3 nothing, and, you know, sometimes the, the, the turning point in a series can happen in game one. Uh, to me, it happened in game three. Uh, they let that game slip away, and, uh, you know, it was just a, a tough battle uh, the rest of the way. So this is just, to me, the, the, just such a huge missed opportunity. That's what I take out of the series. Man, that is well said. I I 100% agree with every wording of what you just said. And we'll go back to Carl. Because, you know, Carl, it was frustrating what Glenn said. Because when you look at last year's roster, you had Ryan Strom, you had um, Vetrano, Andrew Kopp. I mean, they had some good players. But I really believe this roster, on paper, in theory, is better than last year's. I thought... The last year, like to, to to Glenn's point, they they played hard as hell in that game seven versus Pittsburgh. They they played hard as hell versus Carolina. And if it wasn't for a missed shot by Strong, they would be in the finals versus Colorado. There's no way yep. Carl, Glenn, and Scott to say that roster last year. To me, this roster, it, I think was I think was better. Even though Ego was not on top of his game like last year, I just think we were just better this year more of a complete team um but wow that the, the devil speed i don't think the rangers have seen anything like that even last year not versus pittsburgh not versus carolina not versus tampa bay what are your thoughts on uh, on this game seven and just the series overall so let's touch on that last part um because after game five steve aliquette said something that just stuck with me the second he said it and he said the Rangers look like a collection of players rather mm-hmm. than a team. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, for whatever reason, it just it just stuck with me. I said, you know what? The roster might look better, but that's underlined the word look because there became a point, and someone mentioned it today on one of the shows I was listening to, not a local show, but one of the national uh, shows I listened to, they said the Rangers have too many mouths to feed. And that played itself out in the way the power play looked, the way even in the last couple of weeks of the season, even when they were winning games, things just did not, There was, even they were trying to get themselves into a position to, to you know get everything right. But because you've got, 
you know, mismatch roles where you've got so many guys that kind of like, you know, it's kind of like those Olympic teams. You see, you know, they you get the best, you know, get get the best collection of players you can get, but not everything fits correctly. And even as this series was playing out, you know, whether it be Tarasenko not getting enough ice time or Kane getting too much ice time or other guys not getting, to, you know, or when it gets to properly, you're trying to feed, every, all the players are trying to feed each other and there's this, like, mis the, the symmetry is not correct. Last year's team did not have the same players, but collectively the pieces you could see kind of fit together. And in this particular case, it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. You know, the Devils probably have to, I bet you what they did after the first two games, because it was something I looked, as you look back now on it, they probably looked at the first two games and said, you know what, we're not going to let Adam Fox beat us. We're going to make sure that we pressure him anytime he gets the puck before he gets up the ice. And they implemented the speed strategy to prevent the Rangers from getting in the Devils zone. And once the runs, they found out that they had a little bit of success. They kept trying it and trying it trying it again with basically every Ranger defenseman. There were not enough puck movers. Once you started there, that's when things got discombobulated. The offensive zone time decreased from games one and two to the rest of the series. Once all those things were in play, we talked about this before the series ever started, there was a speed issue the Rangers would be able to be, to be able to solve. And as it played out, as the games went along, the Rangers never really adjusted to how the Devils were going to play. And maybe there was never going to be an answer. They probably could have played this another hundred times, and the Rangers would probably still have the same issue with the Devils' speed and being able to um, contain it. Now, the flip side of that would be to say, well, wait, the Rangers are a relatively young team. How can they be um, at a disadvantage in terms of speed? But as you just watch the two teams play, one team just looked really slow and old, even though they're not, <laughs> even though they're not slow and old. And the other team in terms of New Jersey just was able to just kind of just come at them and come at them and come at them. And there was really nothing that the Rangers could do. No amount of line changing, no amount of harder effort was going to change that as you just sort of watch things play out. And so you just, you'd hope for a different result. Um, but, you know, in a, in a seven, and you know, the other thing too, and I thought about it today before, because someone asked me around two o'clock today and they said, what do you think of this game? I said, you know what, you know, what my fear is, that the law of averages in these game sevens is eventually going to catch up to the Rangers. You can't bat 900 in these game sevens. It, 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 it does not work. You, you, you know what? I, I remember in 2015, that was my fear before that Tampa game seven. I said, I think they were like 7-0 and going in. I was like, wait a second. Uh, eventually, you're going to be on the wrong side of one of these. And and that was my fear going into the game, independent of everything else. I said, you know, sometimes you're just not gonna. It's just not gonna go right. And you could talk about experience. You could talk about all these other things that the Rangers had in their favor against a team like New Jersey that didn't have that type of experience. But eventually, you know what? You play enough of those game sevens. You play enough fifty-fifty games like that. And you know what? You earn your fate like this because some, that's you're at the mercy of this. You can't, you can't rely on the seventh game to bail you out, basically. You're not going to bat 900. At best, you're going to go 50-50. Maybe you go 60-40 if you're lucky. Unfor- you know, it, it, luckily for the Rangers, they've batted basically 900 the last 10 years. Like that, that, that's not sustainable. That, you know, uh, that has to adjust itself. And 
Unfortunately, tonight, that is kind of exactly what happened. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Carl. Um, I don't think there was – well, the, the only question I do have, and I, if you can answer this question and then if you have anything you want to ask Scott, what could it have Gallant done in Game 7, especially early on in this first period when Eric Hala or Thomas Tatar or, or, or Brat or especially Dawson Mercer was really – Heavy with the four check. We it's, it, we've seen four checking teams before in the playoffs. We've seen Pittsburgh do it, and we've seen Carolina do it. But they're more, especially Carolina's more of a heavier physical four checking team. Where where the Devils, they're more speed speedy. They'll chase you behind in that. They'll follow you behind in that, and they will recover and they'll trap you along the boards before you can even get into the neutral zone. So what would like if you if you had if, put it yourself in the coach's shoes or skates like what would you have done differently to off to just to control the puck because like Glenn said they just didn't have it all night they they were scared they were turning over the puck over like what would you have done against their forecheck in tonight's game in particular like how would you negate it as best as possible with our roster? Well, ugh, I mean, unfortunately. That's kind of a Ranger structural issue. Um, they don't have a second puck mover. Nothing against Truba, nothing against Schneider, nothing against uh, Miller, nothing against Mikola, nothing against any of those other guys. Like, they only have one Fox, and they don't have a second guy that can sort of weed their way through through the defense. And, and unfortunately, that was something that even going into the series, I said, ooh, okay, this could be an issue. And the Devils didn't make it an issue early on, but once that once that began to become apparent, um, I don't think there was any really thing that the Rangers could do. They probably could get away with it for a game, like in Game Six. But even then, in that game, as you saw, the Devils were really had the I thought the better control of the play, even while the Rangers were winning. So it, that's there was a structural thing that the Rangers would not were not going to be able to solve. And I'm pretty sure that someone within the Rangers, um, you know, research team in their scouting, I bet you they noticed it. I, I think they noticed it, they, and they couldn't do anything about it. They probably had suggestions, ideas, perhaps, but none of those in the end were, were going to, you know, make the difference and be able to structurally change uh, the result that you saw on the ice. Now you have a question for Scott on the game or just the series overall uh, following to the following to the Devils. Yeah, um, there's going to be talk after this game, Scott, and Glenn can probably chime in on this as well uh, in terms of the Rangers not making it more difficult on uh, Akira Schmidt by by pressuring him with guys in front of the net. Um, after the first two games of the series, you really didn't see much of that. What would you attribute that to? Um, I, I don't. I, you know, I'm all from. I was wondering that as soon as it happened. <clears throat> I mean, this guy was giving up rebounds like it was his job. Everybody was pointing that out. Everybody, every announcer was pointing that out. Uh, they're just rebounds, just whether they were going, you know, off his pads, off his glove. Um, you know, the the one goal that we got in Game Four was right off a rebound. The Trocheck goal. Um, we just stopped getting traffic in front. We had, uh, you know, that, that's, I don't think Vatacek was necessarily terrible, but we had guys just in his face in every shot, and they were all finding their way in. We just didn't have that. We couldn't get Grider in front of the power play. The power play died. Um, I, I, I 
baffled by the inability to get people in front. It's unbelievable. Um, there was just no quality opportunities. We, we, I don't think we tested this guy at all. Uh, we, we tested him a little bit in game six. Um, I, I didn't, it was, it was great. Everything was going over his glove. I didn't necessarily think, yay, we found his weakness. It's his glove. I think he just had a bad night. Um, you know, they were trying that again tonight. Um, but, you know, we, we got lucky in game six with those shots. Those shots were just not going to go in unless we had bodies in front. And I wish I knew what happened as to why they couldn't. But uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> they just, yeah, the, 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 you know, we saw the power play. Uh, they, they made some adjustments on the power play in, in game six. The, uh, uh, <clears throat> the, the Kreider goal off his knee. They had some very good movement in front. And they got, finally got to manage that open. Um, you know, it was completely ineffective on the power play this time, and you know, just nobody in front, nobody. And, and yeah, I'll chime in here. I mean, I, I, you know, I thought the, I thought the Rangers had had, uh, you know, found something in Game Six. I thought they were able to find openings uh, that hadn't been available before uh, to uh, to to get good shots on goal. Um, I thought they did a better job of uh, kind of getting in front and pouncing on rebounds and extending the play. But I think uh, for the most part throughout this series, um, what the Devils did very well was they maintained their defensive structure. Um, they, they really weren't caught running around very much uh, as far as I could see. A couple of times on a couple of Ranger goals they did, uh, but they were able to, for the most part, maintain their defensive structure. And the other thing that uh, uh, I think Valaket pointed out uh, during a couple of games as well is the Devils did a great job uh, positioning with their sticks and were, yes, were cutting did. off a lot of the passing lanes that, that the Rangers – I mean, we know how the Rangers are. They, they, they like the fancy pass. They like to wing it around and get the goalie moving and everything. And the Devils were able to cut off those lanes, and uh, that kept uh, uh, Schmid from – having to go uh, post to post very often, you know, because the Rangers couldn't complete those passes that they wanted to uh, uh, complete that they usually can complete. And I think those are the two things uh, in my eyes that, uh, you know, kind of were the thorn in the side for the Rangers offensively. Uh, They tried to play the game that, you know, they like to play, but the Devils uh, did a good job strategically of uh, cutting that off and making them uh, try to do things that they don't really want to do force things or things that they're not used to doing. So uh, to me, those were really the two things. Uh, and, and let's face it. I mean, Schmid played well. I mean, the guy is huge. He, 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 he fills up the net. Um, you know, he, he goes into that kind of butterfly and totally closes off the lower part of the net. And that's why the Rangers in game six were able to, uh, you know, uh, get a couple of goals over his shoulder, over the glove. And like Carl pointed out, uh, you know, they, they, I noticed they took a lot of shots there. They were trying to do that again this game, but uh, uh, he was up to the task tonight. So, um, you know, again, I think as much as we talk about the devil's speed, uh, I think the devils played a defensive game that really kind of stifled the strengths of the Rangers. Oh, but can I add to that? And if you could correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Glenn and Carl, because on the power play, it really looked, predictable by the Rangers when they were on their mm-hmm. special team opportunities where they knew the shots were coming from Zabinajad, but Zabinajad's shots would seem like they were further out 
than his sweet his normal sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so it was easier to see the puck to get a block in to the like it, it played into their hands because it was it was two sided like. They allowed the you know the, the the sticks to get into the passing lanes and they caused a lot of turnovers. I mean it is probably unbearable how many turnovers. And on top of that, they did this cherry picking with Jack Hughes and it was all series long. Where if the Rangers really effed up on a power play or missed Hugh on a puck, they had their one of their better skaters just waiting to receive the puck in a turnover at center ice to create uh, odd man rushes, two-on-ones, things of that nature. Uh, I, I, I think we're just out-schemed. I mean, I, I, it's like 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 Carl said, I think we it's just a bad matchup. And I, and I didn't want to say that, you know, for the whole, what, month, month and a half, when we knew we were going to be the three seed. Because deep down, I'm like, man, I, where are you? I know we know Carolina. We're used to Carolina. We know how they play. And they're actually more of a wounded animal versus the unpredictable of the Devils. Their speed, as good as it was when we played them in the regular season, was it went to another level. <laughs> it went to another level in the series. That the Rangers, like, like, like Carl said, they don't have – they don't have the the puck hand. The Rangers didn't have the puck handling outside of Adam Fox to get out of danger zones in the opponent's offensive zone. Go ahead, Carl. What were you going to say? Carolina also doesn't play at the same speed level. So, mm-hmm, right. in a let's say hypothetically, let's say the Rangers would have won tonight. The series you would have seen coming up this week would have looked completely different than what you would have seen the last two weeks because mm-hmm. both teams pretty much play at the same pace in terms of speed on, on both sides. The Devils instead bring a much different dynamic. So, like, you know, like the old boxing term, you know, styles make fights. It, mm-hmm. That's kind of, like, for instance, you, you may not see, you, they, Carolina might, might find the same fate that the Rangers uh, did in this series, against New Jersey as well because of the fact that they play a very sort of, I wouldn't say deliberate, that's yeah. not the right word to use, but I think there they beat is them. something I, to I think that. The Devils beat them. I think the Rangers, yeah, and I think that that is what the issue is. And, you know, even, hey, now let's be, let's be, we could probably talk about this later on, but let's just put it on the table right now. You know, between now and, I don't know, the middle of October when next season starts, I don't know structurally where you're going to find this second puck mover to be put on this roster unless mm-hmm. you are looking to make a a, a bold move and in, in trading one of the other three defensemen. I'm not sure where you're going to get that from to, to sort of set yourselves up for the future and be able to, because if this series happens again next year, based on the current construction of the roster, I find it to be very, very difficult that the result would change one year later. Right. Yeah, because they know they can beat us. It's been proven tonight. They, they, like, why would they not think they can't beat us? They, they, they don't. They're not going to listen to the press. Like, like you, you've been saying it, Carl, and I've been saying it. And I think we all kind of say it. Like, 21st century athletes is totally different than what 20th century athletes, man. Home ice and all that other stuff. If you can skate and execute, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. All the other stuff about home ice and crowd noise. Man, these playoffs, especially in the NHL, have proved that. I mean, you can look at the other series and, and just see that. You know, um, Glenn and Scott, you guys could go ahead and jump, jump in because um, I know Truba was trying to, you know, he had a big hit. I mean, they tried everything, you know, you know, try to get something going 
going for the Rangers, but it's just they had nothing, man. Nothing. Scott? Anybody? Yeah, um, Scott, go yeah. ahead and talk. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, got, I got a question. I'll, uh, I'll see if anybody wants to answer this. We've talked about how much uh, blame a coach gets, you know, the coach's ability to uh, motivate versus these are professional athletes, grown-ass men, uh, et cetera, you know, professionals. And, um, you know, that was always a complaint of, uh, of like, A.V. And, and, and Quinn, um, you know, just not being able to fire these guys up, light a fire under them, motivate them uh, when need be. Uh, so how much blame do you guys give uh, Gallant in, in, in the effort they put in a combination of, of just no passion and fire and also the lack of adjustments and being able to do anything uh, against that devil's four check and, and that devil's ferociousness. How much blame does Gallant can, get for either or, or both I, of those? Before we, anybody answers that, can I ask you a quick question, Scott, and then we can answer your question. Do you sure. think Gallant's out, meaning know how his pattern as a head coach, Florida, Vegas, he hasn't been at these places long. You know, got him to nice playoff starts, and then maybe after, like, a second playoff run or whatever, he's been out. Do you think he's going to be out on this? Like, you think Drury's going to pull the plug on Gallant? I mean, I think it's a fair question. What do you think? Oh, it's definitely a fair question. Um you know, we, we, we talked about that. We were so happy that we got Gallant because of the success he had at those two, two teams. But we wondered, yeah. you know, why did he get canned from Vegas? They made the playoffs every year, including the finals in their first year. Uh, and then Florida, uh, you know, he, he's not the one that built it, obviously, but he turned them competitive on the ice when they started to put together the team that they have now uh, and, and, and last year. Um, yeah, and why he got canned there. So you have to wonder, like, does this guy have a short shelf life? You know, we've seen, uh, like, guys like Tortorella have a short shelf life. You know, they, we, you know, they, they lose the team real quick. Uh, you know, he's, he'll lose the team in a couple of years uh, before they start to say to hell with this guy and stop playing for him. Um, <laughs> uh, Laviolette is the same way. Um, you know, he won a Stanley Cup in, in, in Carolina. Uh, he had some good years with, with Philly. Um, you know, he had some good years with Nashville. Uh, so he's obviously a very, very good coach, but it was my Carolina friend who's the one who told me that he has a short shelf life uh, before he loses the team, kind of like a Tortorella Jr. Um, and sure enough, uh, same thing. He keeps getting ousted everywhere he goes despite the success. So you got to wonder, is uh, is Gallant in that same category? We, we said that from day one. Um, he might be. Um, as to whether he gets fired, I hope not. Uh, I'm not ready to cut ties with him yet. Um, I, you know, I did give him a lot of credit during the year for some of the adjustments he made, the, the, the line changes that he made, um, you know, during that Carolina game, uh, when nothing was going on. And then all of a sudden he put Trocek with Panarin and, and, you know, Panarin just couldn't stop scoring in that game. Um, I, I was fine with him. I know I've been very supportive of keeping the kid line intact under, you know, under any and all circumstances, but by the time it got to last game, uh, I, you know, uh, after game five, yes, um, by all means shuffle everybody up. Absolutely. Um, and he did it. So I was fine with that, uh, to try and find some combinations that, that, that could get a spark. So I'm, 
I'm not ready to pull the plug on him yet, um, but it's definitely a legitimate concern, um, especially when you got James Dolan, you know, breathing down his neck, and James Dolan, with with all his infinite knowledge of nothing, decides, uh, you know, hey, I want the coach gone, then the coach is gone. That's you know, kind of sucks. So you never you never know. It's certainly a legitimate possibility. It would not surprise me if it happened. Again, I don't want it to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. Okay, Scott, we asked you a question one more time for Glenn, and then we're going to call with that question. But Scott, if you could re-ask that question okay. about Gallant. Yeah, how much, uh, you, you know, when you weigh the uh, whole, you know, coach ability to motivate uh, versus, you know, grown-ass professionals shouldn't have to, uh, how much blame does Gallant get for the lack of passion and fire uh, as well as not being able to have an answer for anything the Devils did? How much how much blame does Gallant get in uh, either or both of those uh, aspects? Well, uh, I always kind of tend to believe that uh, coaches' motivational tactics are overrated. Um, I think there are certain instances where you'll have some coaches that really can fire up a team or uh, maybe just uh, a coach who's had uh, a long history of success uh, you know, might uh, make the team uh, listen to him more or feel more confident. Um, I don't know the explanation of why this team sometimes seems to be up and down. I mean, I will say I see that a lot in a lot of games. I mean, you see teams that just don't seem like they want to be there some nights. So it's not just here. You know, we seem to see that more here. Um, but with Gallant, I mean, I, I, I want to give him some more time. Uh, and I also want a little more time to think about it because I'm sure that, uh, you know, there's a lot of strategic changes being made and things behind the scenes that, you know, maybe we don't necessarily see. But too often during the season, he seems more like a guy that's just kind of like, let him go out and play. And, uh, you know, his his idea of changing strategy is uh, moving guys up and down the lineup. <laughs> And, and there's got to be more than that. And, you know, you put that on the assistant coaches, too. I mean, I, I'm i not sure that I believe that Lindy Ruff was uh, totally responsible for the turnaround of the uh, the Devils from the first two games uh, to the middle of the series. I mean, he's got assistant coaches that are there for a reason, to, uh, you know, watch film and make suggestions and uh, specialize in certain areas. So, um, you know, there's always that. But, um, to me, you know, if you've got a coach that can really motivate a team, uh, I think that's a plus. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm old school like that just even in my life. I don't know. I make a lot less money than, than these guys make, and I assume you do too. Um, and I take pride in my work. You know, there's there's some days when I just don't have it and I kind of, you know, might kind of ski through the, the day. But for the most part, I take pride in my work. I, I want to, you know, do for my, my company and my boss and everything else. And I, I tend to just put this more on the players. It's like, how can you guys, with the life that you have, not want to show up every single night? I mean, you hear about these guys talking about what a dream it is to win the Cup. Well, play like you want to win the Cup then. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe that's old school, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, really uh, aware of how a lot of the, uh, you know, younger players and the way things have changed and everything else. But, you know, I'm old school and and, 
I put that more on the players uh, than the than the coach. That's just how I've always felt, and I still feel that way. All right, Carl, you, you want to answer that? Yeah, um, you know, we talked actually. You know, Scott, I don't think you were here last year when we were closing out the year um, when we had a conversation about Galan, and we, uh, me and RP had mentioned. I think I know Steve was there that night as well when we mentioned that. Galan has not coached no more than three years at any stop he's had in the NHL. So next year will is almost right around the point where you're going to get the sort of like demarcation line with him. Either it's going to it's going to go a certain way, or he's not going to be the coach anymore. So I think ne- after next season that'll sort of decide itself. It's just a matter of do you want to cut bait now, or the time will probably come at the end of the season next year. Um, but as far as you know, motivation of, of players and anything like that. This is a specific – like, there's nothing – like, I don't believe in to, – to, to Glenn's point, I don't believe in rah-rah speeches. I, I don't believe in, oh, you know, he had to get the guys motivated. To my knowledge, I think seven players on the, on the roster uh, have played at least 50 playoff games, and in some cases even more, if you talk about Tarasenko, Kane, and I'm probably missing one other guy. So motivation – at that point, is pointless. I don't know. A rah-rah speech is not going to make guys that have played 50-plus playoff games play harder. You know, they're either going to play hard or they're not. The teams that have been successful, that have had multiple cup runs, you never hear this issue. From Pittsburgh, Detroit, L.A., Chicago, Tampa. Mm-hmm. What you have is you have the right combination of players mentality and mindset to be able to push through and be successful on a consistent basis in the postseason, regular season, and eventually win the title. If you don't have those right combination of players, that mentality to go out and do what is needed, there is no speech. There's no nothing that can be said. You know, has Daryl Sutter become a worse coach today? He got fired actually today than yes. he was when he was coaching the uh, the L.A. Kings to two Stanley Cups? Some, did, did, did he forget how to motivate? I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, the, the Devils were firing coaches in, in, when I was growing up in, in, in route to winning a number of Cups. Like that's, But they had the right core players that were able to police each other and lead to success. Do the Rangers have that? That's up for debate. I don't know the answer. I think so. The results, however, tell me something else, the sort of inconsistency. But we've kind of talked a lot about that this season anyway. You know, from the middle of – from, like, Thanksgiving when they were struggling to coming out the gate those first 25 games. And then they had that 30 or 35-game stretch when they were playing better. But even in victories, it, things were – it just didn't look right. And then we were basically playing out the string the last 20 games where we couldn't really make anything of what we were watching because the games didn't mean anything. So we just hoped that when we got to the postseason, the results were going to tell us what the results were going to tell us. And we've gotten our results now. So going forward, you know, with this roster, as it is, most of these guys are on no movement clauses. This is going to be basically the guts of the team that you're going to see next season. Short of making a, 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 a move on the periphery here or there, these are the guys. 
And my fear, and I'm hoping I'm wrong, is that these guys don't suffer the same fate that the guys in the 2010 suffered, where they were just good enough to not be good enough because there Mm -hmm. is no special player on this roster. There is no Jack Hughes on this roster. There is no Austin Matthews on this roster that can, you know, carry, you know, I saw Steph Curry yesterday score 50 points. I think the day before the game, he basically told the guys, they said, guys, get on my back and we're going to carry this through. Is there a player on the Rangers that you look at and that you could envision yourself telling the guys going into the ninth game at, you know, two hours before the game, say, guys, get on my back. I'm carrying this home tonight. That player does not, to me, exist. And if it doesn't exist, how do you get that? Other than Mm -hmm. hoping that the guys that are on the roster just figure it out. Patrick Kane, we watched him now for, you know, the games that he came, the 15, 20 games when he came and in this postseason series. Unfortunately, I I just got to say it, he looked like a shell of himself. You know, the fear when he was coming, when he was in Chicago, before he came to the Rangers was that, you know what, maybe this guy's on the other side of his career. Maybe, you know, he'll give you a couple goals here or there. But if you're expecting 2013, 2014, that's, that's not in the cards. And that's kind of what happened. You know, Tarasenko, he was a good player, a contributing player. But is he a driver? Unlikely. Uh, the rest of the guys, and now – you know, with, with, as the younger guys get older, with Heedle and, and Kako and Lafreniere, and you know, I got to talk about Lafreniere in a minute because I'm very concerned about him. There, there, there's not an elite skill I see with him, and yeah. I'm like, is this all we're gonna get? Like, I feel like there's a very good chance that, he, like, he might just be, you know, he might max out as a guy that just never reaches his full potential here. He might reach it somewhere else, but probably not here. But there's something in his skill set that just is throwing me off. And so if you're not going to get that elite skill, if you're not going to be able to have that one guy where the opponent is just, you know, they have to be in fearful of if, if, if as guys get older, as these guys, as this transition happens, you know, we might just be in a situation where we're just sort of just stuck where they're good. They're a playoff team, but we're just kind of hoping among hope that, you know, they have a lucky run to the final as opposed to an expected run and then be able to top it off with the cup. But that's my fear right now as I just sort of look at the guts of the roster. That is all fair points, Carl. Because, um, listen, I think that is a big elephant in the room when you're looking at the veterans. Uh, you know, I want you guys to kind of gloss over, you know, on your final thoughts on because Panarin is going to get killed. And rightfully so. He had a terrible series, right? Zabinajad, you know, very good regular season. Just really didn't show up like they wanted. And remember the whole off season last off season, right? Or the last couple of years, the Rangers need a captain, then we could win a Stanley Cup. I mean, that, that's so hogwash, <laughs> guys. I mean, you know, we were playing with so much. We we had better success. I'll put it like this. We had better success when everybody were alternate captains. You know, give out all the alternate captains, put A's on everybody's jersey. Uh, we'll make a deeper run than, you know, 
you know, giving Truber the seed and everything's going to be all right. No, it, it, it's like exactly what Carl said. There's not a that game-changing player. There's not an Austin Matthews. There's not a Connor McDavid, you know, or, or Nathan McKinnon. Uh, those are a bit, you know, like when Messier came over from the Oilers, like a game-changer. Like we have good players, but – to like Carl's point, and we lucked up with those back the back lotteries and got high draft picks, but unfortunately the Devils were ahead of us, and the difference between drafting one and two was a clear difference. If we didn't get that mm-hmm. number one, we would have had Jack Hughes, and we ended up we ended up with Cackle. And let's be honest, Cackle Lafreniere, nice, but the the, the cop out is always going to be they're young. No. Look at Jack Hughes. Look at the impact. He was skating so fast, he's tripping over himself. He's so excited to be out there on the ice. Breakaways. He like like every time he has a puck, I feel like I feel threatened that he's going to score. And he's like, how many? How many they said the stat tonight. Like how many goals he had against us ten, uh, this year? Like eight, nine. It was something crazy. You know, he's always scoring. He's, he he's, he had a breakout. But uh, let's go around for final thoughts. But you know, we're gonna take a little bit of time. Because you know, let's be honest. Panarin, the Kane trade. I mean, this is, I mean, Kane's probably going. He's going to get killed. But because of what happened with the Bruins for for the next, I say, the week, it's probably going to overshadow. But for the next day or two, man, that, that's that's just going to be in everybody's faces. That was not worth it. They're going to say it. They're going to kill him. And like, it didn't, he didn't deliver. And like, it was like a Martin St. Louis 2.0 all over again. Um, yeah. Uh, let's get uh, final thoughts from everybody. Let's uh, we, we start with Carl, I guess, right? Carl, we can get final thoughts. Give me your thoughts on like each of the the players, like you were mentioning, like you know the Zabinajads, the uh, Panarins, the Canes, the Tarashenkos, the Vincent Trocheks, uh, the Heat, Philip Hedo, like anybody. Like, what are your thoughts as far as good and bad or indifferent? Just you know how you how you think about them and then and how we went out and our season comes to an end and we go to Glenn, we go to uh, we go to Scott and then we go to Glenn and then we'll wrap up. I think they're all really nice players, but as in a lot of these series now we've seen this sort of group now play one, two, three, four playoff series since starting from last year. And and it seems like outside of maybe a, a small sample in a cup in a in a in a game here or there the six guys, the top six guys on the Rangers have never been forcefully, you know, imprinted the game on the opponent. Like a, the way Pittsburgh was dominating us those first four games last year. Or, you know, the Carolina Series kind of even uh, – and then Tampa Bay is when, as, when Tampa did the same. Like, we, for the players that you think that the Rangers have, they have not been able to sort of put, you know, their, their – they've not been able to impose their will – on opponents to the point where the teams are having to adjust to the skill of the Ranger player. And I'm not sure how that adjusts itself. So going forward, we'll have to see, but you know, as we say goodbye, uh, I just want to give some, some love to, to Igor Shosturkin because I'm fearing he's going to be Henrik Lundqvist 2.0. The, the way he was left out to dry this whole series, he's going to probably finish, I think with a 940 save percentage, which would have been the best out of every goaltender in this postseason, and be saddled with four losses. Like, uh, you know, I, 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 I feel 
I felt so I feel so bad for for, for him uh, after after this series because there was only, there was only so much he can do. The fact that I saw a Ranger, me and me and RP were talking about this a couple of days ago. There was actually a Ranger fan before Game Five, like we saw on Twitter, who was making the claim that it was on Igor Shosturkin to step up for the Rangers. I'm just like, are you serious? Like, is this what we, is are are these the folks that we have watching these games? Uh, to, uh, I I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll give it to Scott and Glenn, but. That that just frustrated me. This this guy, if the game should have been eight to nothing tonight, legitimately eight right. to nothing, and he was there on the doorstep to do everything he can. The fact that he he got clipped on that one play just as he was coming out of uh, you know coming out by the circle, to, he was trying to do anything to try to help the team out, and unfortunately he gets clipped. But you know the team put him in a position basically to do that because they couldn't do anything offensively. So I just wanted to give some 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 love to him uh, for for his his performance, his night, and for the fact that folks were even doubting him even during the season. You know he showed that he is the least of the Rangers' problems. <clears throat> Sounds like you had a lot of good times with Ranger Proud on Twitter, man. <laughs> so, short, 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 short and sweet. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Nah, man, there's some there's some crazies over there. Shout out to Carl at the C notes on Twitter, man. So 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 it's disappointing, but not a fail, right? That that's the the synopsis of the twenty two twenty three season, Carl. And then we'll go to uh, uh, Scott after that. Yeah, I would say more disappointment, not 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 a failure. I would say just disappointment. All right, all right, cool, Scott. Your final thoughts, sir. Uh, man, oh. I'm looking forward to. It. Yeah, uh, Steve, two two points that you made that that I want to agree with 100%. Um, the first one you said earlier in the show you, uh, about how this team you, you feel is better than last year's, absolutely 100%. I mean, we, uh, you know, they, they got a long, deep playoff run of experience out of the way. We, uh, we upgraded Ryan Strom for Trocek, who was amazing. We shored up that third defensive pair. Mikola was a great pickup. Uh, that third pair was no longer a weak link. Schneider is no longer a rookie. Uh, and we, yeah, we're Kopp and Vitrano were great. Sure, we replaced them with Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. I mean, that's, that's you know, certainly didn't take a hit. I think that's an upgrade. Um so, so yeah, I absolutely think this team was better than last year. And this, you know, last year kind of took us by surprise. We didn't know what to make of them. Steve, you were the only one who went into that playoff series, uh, playoffs at all last year, saying, "Why not us? <laughs> you know, why can't it be us?" Uh, you know, and I bought, I, I, I bought on pretty quickly. Uh, but this year, we knew going in that it could have been us, and it should have been us. Um, Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree on that. And then the second one, yeah, talking about Kako and Lafreniere. <laughs> I mean, again, yeah, they're 21 and 22, so I'm not going to use the, 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 the B word. I'm not going to call them busts, but they're not going to be superstars. There's just no chance. We haven't seen anything that – any flashes of the Lafreniere is so – he's frustrating to watch. Like, just where's those quick hands? Again, like, like we saw it from Jack Hughes instantly, McDavid, uh, just, you know, the, those those quick hands that, that, you know, shades of being a sniper. Every one of these, you know, opportunities he gets point blank, uh, 
he he's he's not a sniper. Uh, we we thought he was. You, you know, it would be fine if he wasn't generating what he should be at this level by now that he could grow into. But just the little things like being able to just snipe like Tarasenko and Kane can, we're just not seeing that. I have no reason to you know that that's not something you're going to develop. He's either got that sniper, he doesn't, and he doesn't. He doesn't have the speed. Um, and, and, and Kako, same deal. I think Kako is getting is getting better with the puck handling and coming out of the corner and you know dancing around making things happen. Um, but he's not a sniper either. And you know, I, again, I'm not going to call them busts. I do I do like that line, but um, they're neither of them are going to be superstars. But like Jack Hughes is a legit bona fide superstar, and he's only going to get better. Uh, he's just scary to watch. The other two, that you know, our guys, they're not scary. Uh, so yeah, I definitely agree with you on um, on, on both of those uh, aspects there. And I don't know, uh, Boston. <laughs> all of this overshadowed, obviously, uh, the Boston Bruins making absolute NHL history uh, with that. So that was impressive to see. Um, you know, I guess we're all big Hurricanes fans moving forward, and. Um, I don't know. It was, uh, it was another fun year, gentlemen. I yeah. thank uh, all of you, Steve, putting this together. Oh, yeah, what, you got something you want to? Yeah, 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 what were your thoughts on, like, Zabinijad and Panarin in particular, uh, just the series and just the uh, Rangers' legacy? Panarin, another big disappointment. Um, that's two years in a row. Um, you know, he should be able to, you know, we see the Devils every time they come down. Uh, they get into the zone and they're able to, you know, work the puck into the zone. Uh, we can't do anything but dump and chase, and we weren't get winning the battles there. The fourth line was the only one coming out with the puck. Um, you know, so so Panarin is the guy that's supposed to be able to stick handle into the zone, stop and find somebody. Yeah, he's been very good with that during the year, but he was not good with it at all during these playoffs, and he was subpar at, uh, at best last year doing it. Uh, that two years in a row, Zibanejad, you, you knew how frustrated he was when uh, when he scored that goal in game six. Uh, he was just so, so relieved. Um, you know, we know what we can get out of You know, he didn't disappoint last year, but, yeah, he wasn't, you know, even with those first two games, he kind of got a pass uh, because of how those first two games went. He kind of went unnoticed because they were just slaughters and we didn't care. But, uh, yeah, he was just not there at all, neither of them. Uh, you know, Chris Kreider, the only one really who gets a pass, and and Adam Fox had a pass until, until the uh, you know until what turned out to be the series winner. Um, you know, both of them were putting up points, and you know the fourth line gets a pass. They worked hard. Um, definitely give them credit. But uh, yeah, our big guns. I, I think we you know came. Yeah, I was expecting more of of the Showtime thing with him. He did have five points in the first. Uh, in the first three games, got an, uh, I think he got an assist last night too. So he wasn't non-existent, but we were hoping to see more of that uh, that superstardom out of him. Yeah, so um, I'm happy. Again, we got 34-year-old Patrick Kane, not 2015 Patrick Kane. So I mean, he is 34. I'm, I'm happy with what we got at um, you know with him, and I'm, I really want to re-sign him because um, again, there's you know they're gonna have to make some adjustments and see, see, uh, I'm not sure what's coming up in the way of free agency. I'm glad that we got the Heedle thing locked down for absolutely nothing, but you know, obviously team's going to look at it a little differently. Tarasenko is going to want a ton of money. I think Patrick Kane will probably be good to us because I, I don't really see him wanting to go anywhere else to finish his career. So we'll probably get a, 
I have a feeling he'll he'll hook us up with a with a good deal. Um, you know, he better with how much he wanted to come here in the first place. Uh, so I think uh, we, we you know Tarasenko will be a much more difficult sign. Love to resign him, obviously, but uh, you know that's that's a lot of money. But you know, I think if we can get Kane. I'm happy with that as, as, as you know as a right winger. You know, considering the the right wing, you know, the problem that we had coming into the season. So. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, just the big the big guns were not not firing this uh this series. All right, man. Thank you, Scott. Mr. Ice Guy Blazer <clears throat> on Twitter. The Face Off Hockey Podcast. Shout outs to you, Scott, with you and your buddy Patrick on that. And of course, Glenn, your final thoughts and as we wrap up. Uh game seven loss, Rangers eliminated. Yeah, I want to go back to something that Carl said, and I'm sure we will talk about this more as the weeks and and months go on into next year. But um, this team structurally um, is missing something. And, and, and like he said, that it's a, it's a collection of, of nice to very good players. Um, But I don't see uh, a guy that this team will rally around uh, who is also talented enough to, to do it on the ice. Uh, I mean, Truba could maybe be that guy, but, you know, I think we're talking about, you know, a a forward, a guy who's uh, really going to be able to lead this team. Um, I mean, I love Mika, but, I mean, when when Mika does his post-game interviews, you can barely hear him. Uh, You know, when I hear what a a leader he is, they always talk about what a leader he is, but I don't think he's a guy that you can rally around. Kreider, again, the same thing. uh, Panarin, I think, is showing that, uh, you know, he's a great regular season player, uh, but you can contain him and, and force him into mistakes in the uh, uh, in the tighter checking that goes on in the playoffs. Um, as far as Kako and Lafreniere go, you know, I'm kind of feeling like I wouldn't be as heartbroken as I, I might have been a year ago uh, if they find the right mix to, to trade. Uh, one or both of those um, guys. Uh, I expect to see Coley next year. I expect to see Offman next year. Tarasenko, like you say, I'd love to see, but he'll probably be gone. Uh, Patrick Kane, I think, probably would like to stay and, and would sign a, a contract that's cap-friendly. Uh, however, I've read that if he does have that hip operation, he might miss like the first three months of the season. So, I don't know how much of a contribution we would get, you know, there other than maybe long-term, uh, long-term injury. Um, but um, this team just doesn't seem to have somebody that they can rally around. And I think this was a problem of, of the, uh, the 2010s, all the Henrik teams. Um, the same thing. It was a collection of good to very good players, um, probably more talented now than then than the teams that Henrik had. Um, and uh, basically somehow found a way to win with uh, Henrik winning, what did he win, seven game sevens and have a goals against of like 1.03. So, uh, you know, they were probably lucky to win some of those game sevens that they did. Um, And anyway, I kind of feel like I'm going in circles here, but I I think structurally they do have to look at this team. I mean, how, how would a guy like Matthew Kachuk look on this team? It would make a difference in the world. I don't know how you go out and get a guy like that. Uh, But I think whether it's somebody coming up internally, which I'm not sure they have, 
or some kind of blockbuster trade. I think they need somebody that is going to be the clear, uh, outspoken, uh, you know, leader on the ice and off the ice. And I don't think they've had that for a very long time. Uh, so, you know, we'll talk about that as the weeks and months go by. But I think they do need to look at the structure of this team and how it's built. We thought that they, they had everything. Went out and got Trocek to fix the face-off problem. Uh, went out and got uh, Tarasenko and Patrick Kane to fix the right-wing black hole. And it still didn't work. So I, I think Drury is really going to have to take a close look at how this team is constructed. And I think we might see some guys uh, go that maybe we, we didn't want to see go uh, to try to uh, make this more of a, uh, a workable situation for the playoffs and not just the regular season. Yeah, Glenn, thank you very much for your final thoughts. And to, to say that, man, because Chris Drury had some wars when he was a Buffalo Sabre and he was playing for Lindy Ruff. Yep. And sees Lindy Ruff leave the Rangers staff, go across the river, and, and, and get a, a playoff win. That's a big playoff series win for the Devils over the Rangers. We all know the Rangers are the number one team uh, in the tri-state, but the Devils are, Devils are kind of in the shadows, per se, obviously because of playing in Newark. But <sighs> that that's that's and especially in the social media era, we haven't what, faced the Devils since you know in, in twenty plus years, or whatever in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good look for the Devils, man, and they earned it. They earned it well. And then also, as you were speaking on uh, Matthew Kachuk, how remember we were saying it in the beginning of the year, and we were kind of undecided with the swap between him and Jonathan Huberdo with them and the mm-hmm. Flames. Well, it's mm-hmm. clearly apparent mm-hmm. they won. If at the ticket down the Bruins, it is clearly they won that swap. <laughs> the Florida Panthers. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, time will tell, man. Listen, man, I am very disappointed. I'm going to say this shit is a fail, man, because this is Stanley Cup Finals or bust. The way you put together your roster, uh, Tereschenko getting him earlier in the trade that de- before, you know, earlier in the, tra- in the, in the tra- before the trade deadline, Patrick Kane and all that whole lot going back and forth with him. <sighs> you know, it, you, we never could catch – Rangers never got to that second place to get their home ice. It called for what it's worth. I, I thought Carolina was going to win the division and Rangers were going to come to second. That, little, we know that the Devils were ready to probably make, make the biggest point jump in, in, in the NHL history. I think it was like third what, turnaround in points going from where they were last year to this year. And I remember, Scott, I think you were kind of saying that last year, uh, you know, to watch out for the Devils. And I'm like, ah, yeah, maybe so on and so forth. But not, I mean, that I no, I don't think I know. I didn't see that coming with their turnaround this season to the point they're they're almost to win the division. But yeah, it, this is definitely disappointing. Um, the way the Rangers went out last year with our roster, and it, it, quite honest, we almost we we should have had Tampa Bay in that last year, last year and. This is this 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 one sucks, man. Let me be honest. It, these opportunities don't come easy, man. And like 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 you said, Glenn, Boston went out, Colorado went out. Uh, this was a win. This is a winnable bracket you, once you got past Jersey. I think you know we could have had a yeah. few good chances versus Carolina. Then you see what happens between Tor- Toronto and Florida. This is this absolutely. Was, this was like a finals or bust. But Jersey was the biggest hur- hurdle, and because of the playoff format, and there's no blame to the format. We all knew that a couple of good teams are going to get ounced in the first round, and, and here we are. Sh- shout out to Carl. Shout out well, to uh, Scott and Glenn. Huh? No, I was just going to say it wound up being more than a couple of good teams that went out. When you look at who thought the Bruins would be yeah. out, 
and who thought Colorado would be out. We, we were talking about uh, uh, how the we, we don't like the playoff format and a couple of good teams are going to go out early. Uh, well, yeah. look what happened. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it looks right. like it doesn't matter what the format was. Right, right, right. And Toronto finally got past Tampa Bay. So, hey, man, the Rain Podcast with Ranger Proud here on the Blue Blue Show with Carl, Scott, and Glenn. Um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, we'll be on on and off throughout the. We we'll probably come on and chime in maybe uh, next next week eight o'clock. You know, light light show to discuss around the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Dallas got past uh, the Minnesota Wild. I thought they would have done it at seven. They got it done at six. Edmonton got past the Kings. Uh, so yeah, so going to keep on in the cracking. You know, good win by them, man. <laughs> Got not got the Colorado defending champions out, and then of course we all know the biggest shocker probably is that's probably the biggest shock in sports history in this yeah. in this century that Bruins. I, I think that is. I can't think of anything worse than that. In, I, in the seven I game in the seven game format, yes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I saw something. So. In, guys, I saw something interesting earlier today. The four teams in the four major sports that hold the best regular season ever did not win the championship. It was, it was the 16 and 0 Patriots. Um, I don't know if it was golden state and the NBA. I'm not a big NBA fan. It was the 116 uh, win uh, Seattle Mariners and yeah. now the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Amazing, the Bruins, right? That was up there. Yeah. Because the Bruins were so cooking and they had, they had the game games was it game five? They had game five, then blew that, and then fast the forward to game seven. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah they had the lead in games five, six, and seven <laughs> in the third period. Um, and and just for whatever reason, it just <laughs> didn't work out. It was crazy. It's, it's, I, I, yeah. I was talking with somebody today. It's pro- of, the, of the sports that have a seven-game playoff format, it is the greatest – uh, upset of all time when you factor in that they had a three-one lead in the series. <laughs> that's the yeah, that's the right, part of this right, that, right. That take, take that together. Exactly. I, I, you, I, I mean, go for, no further than that. Then the game within the game, where Pasternak missed the uh, overtime shot, and and the, and the Panthers came down a couple of sequences later. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I'm glad I'm not in that position. But the Rangers, man, I mean, they could have been the biggest. I would have said the biggest upset, not the biggest uh, disappointment in this postseason, but the Bruins are going to dominate those headlines because of obvious reasons. I mean, the novice fans was catching on to that. All right, guys, we got to jump off, man. We'll catch up in next week. We'll come on at eight o'clock and you know chime in on what's going on in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, man. Cheer up, Scott, man. It's going to be okay, bro. <laughs> Scott Glenn, thank you for everything this season. Thank you. You, you, you too, too, Carl. You were fantastic. You really were. Yes, sir. Take a bow. All you guys. Carl. Yeah, great, you guys. great job, everyone. Thank you, Steve, for uh, hosting us every week. This is a lot of fun. This is the highlight of my week. We'll, we'll be Excellent a, job. Yeah, we'll, come, on, come on on next uh, 8 o'clock next Tuesday. We'll try like half hour, sure. 35 minutes. We'll just chop on and jump here. in and talk about sure. chicken around. All right, Absolutely. guys. We've, I believe Blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue.